Welcome to the Golden Mike Podcast, where personal growth simply isn't enough. I'm your host, Mark Cordone, a positive psychology coach, a do-gooder from the island of misfit toys who founded the Joy Revolution. Each week, I'll wrap with an extraordinary guest doing extraordinary things through their own revolutionary work to talk about the ups, downs, and all-arounds of life. It's my mission to provoke and empower you through increased joy and inspire you to spark your own revolution to change history for the better. Welcome to the most serious happiness podcast in this multiverse. Welcome to the Golden Mike Podcast. All right, welcome back. Golden Mike Podcast. It's your boy, Mark Cordone. Uh, I hope everyone is finding themselves uh, well and coping during uh, what has probably been the most uh, uh, overused uh, sentence in all of my life during these unprecedented times, um, even though they always seem unprecedented, uh, you know, uh, they, they do feel very unprecedented, don't they, Taylor? <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. I, I told you every single intro is different, right? Um, so. <laughs> I'm really stoked today because as a positive psychologist, I don't often get to talk to other folks who make a living in, I don't want to call it the happiness business, but who serve others when it comes to specifically that idea of happiness. And um, for all of those, you folks who've been listening, we've been talking about spirituality, science, psychology, uh, philosophy, but I haven't had another person on the show who's specifically in um, uh, happiness work. And so I'm so stoked to have today's guest. If you heard me earlier, you know her name, um, <laughs> a transformational happiness mentor, happiness podcaster, and a speaker, but one with all this, this huge background in, in global marketing and, um, and, and leading international teams. Um, and now we're here, both of us, doing happiness work. <laughs> Woohoo, here we are. Here we are. And and, and I, I I must say I'm going to repeat it again. Like when I first saw our guest today, I was it's it, I don't know if it was a, an ad or something. I have no idea how how you showed up on my feed. Um but I'm scrolling through the feed and there's this very very kind person looking into the camera and the person, if y'all have ever flown with Delta and remember that lady who goes, um, remember, smoking is not allowed. And it's like this kind of like half-ass smile mixed with like this terrorizing, like if you smoke, I'll kick your ass look. It looks like Taylor, our guest <laughs> today, except she's like super opposite of her. She's like the 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 antithesis in terms of like, there's no smugness in her face. It's 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 all smiles. And Taylor, it's awesome to have you on the show today. Thank you. I am so excited and honored to be here and definitely going to be looking that uh, Delta ad up after this call. <laughs> it's old school, but if if you go to YouTube, uh, you know, if you go to YouTube and and you search smoking is not allowed Delta, um let me know what you think. Sure, um, I will. <laughs> <laughs> um and now um Anyone can go to the links, the links that are, are are in the show notes. Anyone can go and see what 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 Taylor does with with happiness abound, um, uh, uh, 
see what's what's going on in her neck of the woods, the book club. Um, but more importantly, before we even get to that, I want to know how you got here. And so um, growing up in, in, in Utah, I want to know a little bit about uh, what little Taylor was, what, was, was like. Yeah. So it's really funny you bring up childhood because I feel like there's a lot of people in the world that have had something happen during their childhood and it has shaped who they are and how they function in the world. And for me, I actually had a pretty normal average childhood, I think, at least mm -hmm. by my standards. It, maybe it depends on how you're growing up. But for most of us, I think we all think we have normal childhoods until we meet other people and we're like, that's not normal. But I feel like I had a pretty normal childhood. And uh, I, I grew up uh, playing outside all the time. Uh, we had a horse. So I, we were on horse property. So I had my horse. The neighbor's horses were next door. So I would get a pasture and it had some weeds and stuff. And so in the summers, I would make like I'd play chef and put together all the weeds in like a another weed leaf and give them horse tacos and and I had a tree horse house. <laughs> yeah, it's so random. But like oh, I would really? and I would I'd have a tree house and so I'd go up there and play and like uh, I had read the book at the sign of the beaver and so I would make my own bow and arrows out of tree branches and I just was a very creative and imaginative imaginative mm -hmm. child. And then I couple that with, I also, uh, growing up, was a four-sport athlete. Uh, I did volleyball, mm -hmm. basketball, track, and soccer. And mm -hmm. then I turned to three sports in high school. But I grew up doing a lot of physical activity, outdoor activity. And even now as an adult, I really find myself attracted to mentors and speakers that have been professional athletes because I think there's this mindset, not only being at the top of your top of your form physically, but everyone's at their top form at the Olympic level. So what sets you apart is your mindset. And I love learning about that. And I think that that has really come into play from my childhood of I was a, a nationally ranked track and field athlete for high jump, long jump and a four by 100. And so I competed at some fairly high levels. And I'm just so attracted to how how you can use your mind to go to those next those next levels in your life. And even if it feels like you're on an equal playing field, like everyone's everyone's the same peak performance or whatever it is in your life that you want to be better at. There's people who are at the same level and sometimes the way to get ahead or sometimes the way to even just get ahead in competing in your own life and where you want to be versus where you are is a mental game. And so I, if we're talking about childhood and how that shaped me today, I think that the creativity that I had as a child with playing with my horses and my dogs and and in the treehouse and there's all these things that coupled with this analytical piece of how do I get better and what's the mindset that I need and the consistency of athleticism specifically for like high jump and long jump. You have to have consistent run-ups. You have to know when to adjust, when to change, what's working, what's not working and kind of self-coach mm -hmm. yourself as well. And so I think a lot of those components have completely crossed over into my adult life and my careers as a uh, global marketing director and leading teams there and figuring out what works best for the individuals on my teams, but 100% relatable to what I do now as a happiness mentor because happiness can be so unique. And so I help my clients figure out what what's working for them, what's not mm -hmm. working for them, and small pivots and things we can do every single day to increase their happiness. And so childhood me is very much influenced adult me for sure. It sounds like childhood you and adult you are like childhood you is still very much present. 
with things, you know, using your imagination, um, mindset work. Um, I, I mean, I think it's just taken to a next level, right? Um, I, you know, I, I think one of the things is, is, uh, um, so, so when I was a, a child, I guess the, the term that they used a lot with me is, oh, Cordon has an active imagination, mm. you know? And, and now I'm like, hey, I can't, like, I can't make it any, like, if, if I could have that imagination with, without stressing myself or doing the Silva method, you know, like, just like as a natural child, like, I, like, I, I remember, like, uh, not only having wonderment and awe for the multiverse, but also at the same time, like, I could just, it, it was much easier to figure things out. And like, as an adult, I'm like, wow, I, I really appreciated that I had that because it gives me, um, it gives me, it, it, it gives me proof, um, where I sometimes think there is no proof that I can be absolutely creative and, 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 um, and figure things out in a way that, um, you know, outside the box, inside the box, whatever, but figure things out and, and, and play with it and have a, a, a totally amazing time doing it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, I, I do got to say this too about sports. Um, you're talking to Manila Ice r- Roller Derby star right here, sister. Ah. You know that <laughs> <laughs> retired roller derby star. But um, you know, when I when I think about one of the most major things uh, I ever did in my life was uh, was roller derby, and um, uh, I'm a middle aged. I was a middle aged man trying out skates on the first uh, for the first time, and I broke my arm in the first week. Mm. Uh, uh, and I remember saying to myself, um, okay, I can really wallow in this right now, or I can do, I can practice what I've been reading about that, like, not, not, not in a bypassing way with, without grieving the, the, the pain and, you know, of, of, of physical pain and, and then losing some of my, um, uh, ability privileges, right? But, um, uh, more so in the lines of like, I know that if I show up with the mindset that I am going to, um, I'm going to improve myself every day. I I don't know how, and I also trust the people around me, and I can light them up, like I can make them laugh. I can we can have a good time in seemingly dark times. Um, again, still not bypassing, but like. We know the work we're doing, but also at the same time, if we if we can smile and like or just crack jokes about it and be positive about it, um, it does wonders. And my my uh, my trajectory was that I was I was either going to have to have surgery or never skate again, um, and it would take eighteen months recovery. And uh, we had minimized that to not, to to seven or eight months. Um, and I've seen this happen. Time after time, I'm not talking about miracle work, but sometimes just having that mindset, uh, you'll be able to create things that I don't want to say are unbelievable because if you if you think they're unbelievable, then they won't happen. <laughs> you just won't, you know. But like I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I love that. I've gotta ask this. Yeah, you were also a DJ when you were a kid. <laughs> uh, I. <laughs> Okay, interesting turn. Uh, so I was not like a DJ DJ. Uh, yeah. So I was hey, like not at a club like like wasn't that. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, 
in college, I was the general manager for my school's onlo- online radio station. And I also mm-hmm. was uh, the host of one of our top rated show w- with my co-host. And then that transitioned into uh, actually a career doing uh, traffic reporting. So if you've ever listened to the radio and it's during drive time and they're like, oh, there's a crash on I-15 southbound, go slow to the right or whatever that is. Uh, that's actually... I usually say it so much better than that, but I was like, oh, yeah, there we go. But that's what I did. So I transitioned out of doing it in college to actually doing radio producing for traffic and then also reporting for traffic. So I would compile all the information of what was happening on the road from all different sources, from like uh, police scanners, from our uh, highway patrol. Uh We had an eye in the sky, so we had somebody up in a helicopter. And I would compile all that information into a system that would track the traffic and then that would send it out to the reporters and then i also was occasionally a reporter myself so i I was gonna ask i was gonna ask like is that a fake helicopter sound (laughs) like or is it or or, you know like sometimes when they're like uh you know it's uh rick Rick james uh (laughs) you know we're uh we're scanning the skies for you right now, and and, and on I seventy five, it looks like a backup uh, thing about yeah, 10, yeah. twenty minutes. Blah, blah. But you hear a helicopter sound, right? That can I've totally wondered, depend. Are, are they really in a helicopter, or is there someone in a helicopter telling them what's up, or that there's a there, there's a scanner, and then they're they're doing? <laughs> it can oh, so totally depend. So there are times when they, then that they're not in the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. So it depends on the oh. persona of the reporter. Uh, so like if the, if the reporter has a persona of like a military general and they have, they'll put sounds and stuff back behind them, then that's, (laughs) they're usually in a recording booth taking the information that I have provided them as a producer and militarizing it up, I guess. But then alternative to that is you do have people that are up in the sky and sometimes they're a reporter and sometimes they're not. And that depends on what the, the station's budget. If they're, they want to have the reporter up in the sky seeing real time and other times it may be that they're still getting the information and they want it to be portrayed as eye in the sky. And so there are uh, ambient sounds put in the background. So it really can depend. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is like pro- uh, professional wrestling. It's bursting my bubble. <laughs> I wondered. And now that I, I don't want to know, I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> your traffic, your traffic dreams have just been shattered. Yeah, my traffic g- dreams. I, I do. I, I, I told you we're going to go everywhere I and I'm going to, I want to ask, I want to ask this. Um, I want to hear a sample of what, uh, uh, Taylor Proctor, if that is your real name, like would sound like when you went on when you went on air. Sure. Well, it sounds exactly the same as it is now, but uh, with with traffic jargon and lingo smattered in. So it would be. Um, I'm trying to pick a, a radio station to start. So some stations you could use your own name. Others, uh, it was a different. I worked for one singular company and we outsourced to different radio stations. So if you were doing reporting on one station and there was a competitor station, they still outsourced to us for traffic. You had to use a different name or a different reporter. So uh, it would be, hi, I'm Amanda McLean with traffic for X96. We have a slowdown on I-15 southbound, slow to the left. Make sure that you take a little bit of time, go around that, but it's slow and go. Then we're looking a little bit of slowdowns, bumper to bumper on the point of the mountain. Make sure that you, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever. There's a stalled car on the left. Don't go to the right. Seeing a little bit of slow and go 
or it's free flowing on I-15 southbound through Spanish Fork. <laughs> it, it has it has been ten years, so that was a little scattered there, but you get the gist. <laughs> Slow and go. I absolutely love it. Thank you. Thank you for doing <laughs> that. <laughs> It's slow and go. It's slow um, and go at the point of the mountain. Amazing. And so it, it sounds like you've had a, a quite, um, from childhood to, to now, quite a really cool life. A, a really cool life where you, you've been able to experience a lot of things. And, and I, now I know that you're married. And, um, you know, that, uh, again, another experience. And now happiness, you know, yes. mentoring, courses podcasts i don't even want to know what your critique on my podcast is after i realize that you're a radio producer but like um tell me i don't about- i don't judge like that everybody <laughs> everybody's in their own everybody's in their own spot and just because i produce radio doesn't mean my show sounds amazing so we're good oh right on so um <laughs> so, so so talk to me here because because um it's either a logical jump or an illogical jump right because uh uh, it, it, in many ways, there's there's uh, there's this sort of positivity movement out there, right? Um, and you can see it in the social media space. And yet, um, there aren't necessarily people who hang their hat on it like you do, and 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 I do. Um, what was the sort of driving forces to get you to make you uh, make this decision? on yeah happiness is it infinity <laughs> sign yes referencing my logo thank you yeah <laughs> so it's interesting because making the shift from careers and logical or illogical jumps i actually made a lot of what you might consider illogical jumps so i had my career in radio then i stopped that and decided i wanted to become a wedding planner so i had a wedding planning business was featured in national magazines, had several photo shoots and a whole bunch of great things and amazing clients there. And then I decided, well, what is my favorite part about wedding planning? And it was marketing my business. And so then I shifted my career into marketing and was a copywriter, then a content strategist, then a social and content uh, director, and just kind of moved up from there. And there's that career, right? But in the back of all of that... I've always kind of had this entrepreneurial spirit and running my own wedding planning business really kind of spearheaded that. And that's what got me first into personal development, really mm-hmm. into it. And I I had a mentor give me the Tony Robbins personal power CDs mm-hmm. and I was listening to them. And over a series of years, like they really helped me, but over a series of years, I was sitting at home alone one night going, I, I'm not quite sure what I want to do. I feel like I'm, feel like I'm meant for more. And this is in the middle of my own happiness journey. So this is like the career progression, but there's definitely a happiness journey that's in the foreground of this background story. So I remember listening to one of the CDs. I don't remember which one. I don't remember the question he asked. I don't remember anything about it other than sitting at home alone and going, I think I kind of want to do what he does, Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. And I just started bawling. Mm Mm-hmm. And it like it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, yeah, I, I don't want to be Tony Robbins. That's that's him, and I want to be me. But I kind of felt like this is the direction I'm supposed to go. Mm-hmm. So, flash forward several several years, then I actually started acting on that. But I felt like I couldn't lean in that direction until I had my own my own happiness under wraps. Because, mm-hmm. as I said, the foreground story of all that, 
I was not a happy person. Yeah, I was doing personal development for business purposes or whatever, but I wasn't necessarily happy. And in fact, I was incredibly angry all the time and so bitter and so resentful. And my husband had this phrase for me because he, a couple of things that he did that really pushed my happiness journey forward, but he had a phrase. (laughs) He had a phrase that said, hell hath no fury like Taylor mildly inconvenienced. (laughs) And it's so true. Like I look back and I'm like, yep, that's 100%. Like anything that was just a minor inconvenience to me, I would lose my temper so fast. And it was just, it was why. And I, I didn't know why. I just knew I was angry all the time. Hey, it's Mark. I hope you're digging the Golden Mike podcast. If you have or are just starting your own revolution fueled by joy, there's a site I created for you. If you, like me, believe that personal growth is simply not enough, if you, like me, are committed to changing history for the better in both micro and macro ways, check out joyrevolution.com. In there, you'll find an archive of our over 200 Golden Mike Live Facebook shows and, of course, our podcast that you're currently listening to. Check out the blogs highlighting how positive psychology and joy theory apply to your everyday life. There's even some cool clips from our Joy Revolution course geared towards influencers, speakers, writers, and change agents. It's all there. Go to joyrevolution.com. That's joyrevolution.com. Let's get back to the episode. For a series of years, like five or six different times, my husband also had said to me, much more uh, constructive with this one, but he had also said to me, where did you go? Because he did know me when I was younger, right? We actually knew each other in high school. And so he knew me as very happy and go lucky. And then after graduation, life kind of can come at you and knock you down a little bit. And I had gotten to this habit of just jumping to anger for everything. And so he had said several times, like, where did you go? You used to be so happy. And I want to say like the first time he said it, I was like, you're right. Totally. But it was not that way. I was like, are you kidding me? How dare you talk to me like that? You don't know me. You don't know anything about me. And Hell like, have no fury. <laughs> it's like my husband in my brain. I'm like, you don't know anything about me. Like, what? What am I doing there? But I really was just so angry and so bitter that I, I wasn't even open to the possibility that I had shifted and changed. I was so much in this anger space that I was a victim and I was entitled. Mm. So I was entitled to be angry because the rest of the world out there is stupid or whatever it is. They're being idiots because they're mildly inconveniencing me. And in that is a sense of entitlement because like you cut me off on the road and I get angry about it. It's because I feel entitled that you shouldn't have cut me off. Who the, do you think you are kind of thing? Yeah. And what it would a over time, and after he said that like for the fifth or sixth time, I finally was like, you're right. I, I have been so angry and I don't want to be that way anymore. I just, what do I want? And I realized that I just wanted to be happy. And so I yeah. started down that path. And I wish I could say that it was like, I made the decision to be happy and then I was happy, but not the case. Yeah. I had habits that I had in place that like, for example, again, if somebody cut me off on the road instantaneously, I would get angry and pissed off about it. So I had to figure out how to break that, those kind of habits. And that takes time. And I had to figure out how to give myself a lot of grace 
around this concept of just because I decided doesn't mean it doesn't take work. Mm -hmm. And I actually found that even though I had decided to be happy, I would Google how to be happy because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, where do I even start? Because I'm just so angry all the time. And I found inspirational things and articles and YouTube videos and stuff like that. But none of it, it all just felt very surface level, like just think positively yes. or whatever. And it's like, I need yes. something actionable and tangible because this is thinking positively is not working for me because I lose my temper at the drop of a hat. Like it's habitual. Yes. And so I really struggled with that. But I also started to realize that I was beating myself up every time I would lose my temper because I had made the decision to try and be better and I had failed, I would beat myself up. And I realized I had this expectation mm -hmm. that we should be inherently happy as humans. And every everyone around me looked inherently happy. So what was wrong with me? I was broken. Now couple that with, at the same time, I was trying to accomplish the societal checklist, mm -hmm. which is, oh, you know, go to school, get a degree, have a nice partner and spouse, buy the dream house, have the, the lovely family, the beautiful family, go and get the dream job at the corner office or your own successful entrepreneurial business. And all of those things by society standards equals success, which aka by society standards equals happiness. So I had two expectations that if I worked really hard on this checklist of things that had been told my whole life, then I would be happy. And also, I had the expectation that I should be inherently happy. And so if I wasn't, and I was still striving for all those things, and I wasn't, then I was broken. I was defective. I was wrong. Mm -hmm. And those expectations wrecked me. Can, can you trace back to the moment you started feeling like that victimhood or entitlement? Or was it had it become such a pattern that, that like, it, it, it just... Uh, you know, it, it kind of creeps up and then the next thing you know, it's insidious and you're like, how did it get to this? Like, could, like, could you, could you trace back some of the early things or, 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 um, wedding planning days or, or any of that, uh, sports days, or was it just something where you're like, what the fuck? Like, how did it get to this? <laughs> uh, I would say it's a combo. Yeah. There was, there was not like one lightning strike. Now I'm an angry, bitter person. And there's also, just like there's not one lightning strike of, and suddenly I'm happy in my world is sunshine and rainbows and butterflies. There's not one single situation or even entity that I could say was like a marker for either of those journeys. However, yeah, there was a series of things. Like we all go through life and it can kind of knock us down. So sports days, I grew up losing and winning. Like that was never a big deal. But after like I graduated and things like that, I, I lost friends. And so it was like, oh, you know, and it just happens, but you still kind of feel it. I actually had a first marriage and got divorced. And that marriage was broken up because he had an addiction to pornography. And that, mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing that when you're in your younger 20s, as I was in that marriage, wrecks you, right? And so you start to, to feel less than. And for me, it's a fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. And I'm a fighter. So for me, I get angry when I would feel weak or vulnerable or less than. Mm. So what happened was, is I would be in these situations that it's just normal life. And I would have the thought processes of like, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm less than, or I'm broken, I'm defective. Uh, he's going out doing these things and I, I'm not good enough. All of these thoughts. And then it would be like, well, these thoughts are not great. They're, they feel, they feel, they are not, but they feel weak. They feel like I... I'm garbage. So I 
don't want to feel this way. And instead of like acknowledging those emotions and trying to work through them and understand and turn them in a way that like allows me to feel them, not suppress, but express and move forward and come back to the other side of the pendulum, I just would suppress them with anger. And so habitually, anytime something happened where I start to feel vulnerable, weak, scared, whatever that would be, I would jump to anger. So if we go back to, it's like the most simple example I can think of. Somebody cuts me off while I'm driving. Well, I instantly get to anger. Well, what does that have to do with feeling vulnerable, weak, or scared? Well, if this person's zooming around me, am I not going fast enough? Am I not a good driver? Right? Your brain connects these stories, uses this language that instantaneously almost goes straight to your emotions. And for me, it was that person cut around me. Maybe I'm not a good driver or I, I'm not going the speed limit or I'm not going fast enough, whatever it is. So they cut around me and use, and just cut me off. Then I get mad because like, how dare they? Because I'm a good driver. And like, I would have to justify yep. it. And that happened in all areas of my life, not just driving, but that's, I think, a more universal example. But it happened in all areas of my life. And so there's not a single point. It just built up habitually time over time over time because I kept on suppressing these emotions that we deem as quote unquote negative. Yep. And I kept on suppressing them instead of learning from them and choosing differently. And yeah. that's something I've really had to work on in my own journey. And then that's also something that I have the deep honor now that I have worked on it for myself. I have the deep honor of helping other people figure it out for them too. Right on, right on. Um, one thing I really like about um, uh, the uh, sort of the story about you talking about anger and then sort of uh, taking it to uh, another uh, level or, or, or diving even deeper with it is um, sort of this idea that like our emotions are very complex and layered and um, sometimes you'll you'll think it's one emotion and when underneath it's that emotion is just trying to alert you that I don't feel like I'm doing well, you know, and it, but it, it becomes expressed as anger yeah. um, or and and I love that because I think um, uh, I don't want to say what I think society thinks, but at least the, from the conversations that I've had um, is that it's either happiness or sadness, happiness, good, sadness, bad. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's much more than that. Um, so, so, uh, when it comes now to isolating happiness and, and, uh, man, I hate to repeat things that I've, I've done research on, but like, I think for my audience uh, and myself, I I'd love to hear what is your definition of happiness? I love this question because and here's, here's why. We all want very similar because everyone to asks you it. No, no, no. <laughs> we we all just like the societal checklist. We all want the easy. Tell me what happiness is, so that I can go for it, right? So the societal checklist. If I meet those things, that equals success. Success, and in my brain, that somehow equals happiness, and so forth. I'm going to chase that. So I actually very hesitantly say what I think happiness is because it can be so different for everyone. So the external answer is happiness is uniquely defined by you as an individual. Mm -hmm. And the stigma of saying that happiness equals one specific thing or a few specific traits or things like that actually can hinder and hurt more than help in someone's happiness journey yes. because it sets an expectation. And we've already kind of talked about expectations can be the ruiner of your happiness. Alternative to that, internally, what happiness is for me is deeply aligned with my purpose. And I have 
two purposes. One, internal, learning and growing. If I can learn and grow as much as I can, like that is what I think my purpose here for me as an individual is on this earth. And so I am happiest when I'm learning and growing. I am happiest when I am being as much of myself as I possibly can. So I know who I am. I know my identity. I know how I work, how I function. And I am constantly learning, growing, improving, and generating joy from that. And that can be mm-hmm. across any of these like life areas. Now, the external happiness motivator for me is also I want to help other people find their happiness. But the key wor- words there are their happiness. Because what it means to me doesn't look the same as what it means to you. So I love this question because, because it gives me the opportunity to be like, you get to pick what happiness means to you. And don't take my definition of it to, 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 to the grave of like, well, I wasn't happy because I didn't learn and grow the whole time. But obviously we did. We're humans. But you get where I'm going with yeah. this. And I think the other component of that that also makes it interesting to be a happiness mentor is we want the, well, this is what Taylor defines as happiness. So that's what it is because she's a professional. But on that other side of that, that's one of my favorite things is like, okay, you've achieved all this stuff on this list. You have a successful business. You have the beautiful family. You have the lovely house. You've gone to school. You've gotten the degree. You have massive amounts of money. Whatever it is, you've met that checklist and you're not happy. It is now time. We can keep all of those things. We can have all those things. That's great. Not saying get rid of those to be happy. This isn't a purge. But it is a discovery of what can you do every day to help bring up your levels of joy and your levels of happiness and what habits can you implement to to find out and to build on your happiness. And for so many of us, and myself included, when I first started, my clients as well, when we're in that two or three range on a scale of one to 10, 10 being like ultimately happy, one being like miserable, Mm -hmm. we're in that range of like two to three it's even hard. It's hard to even think that you might be capable of happiness because you have those expectations that should be inherent. And I've met the checklist, so something's wrong with me. And so that's what we really work on is like building happiness habits to remind you that you are capable of happiness. And once you can start to feel capable, you start to feel like you're qualified, like I actually am deserving of happiness. And when you feel qualified, you can start to feel confident. And that reflects out to all other areas of your life. And at that point, you have a happy life. And so it's... It, it has it's the total ripple yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it's about how do we get you from that two or three to the seven, eight, nine, ten range and build from there. And uh, yeah, so I can't tell you what happiness is for everyone else. I can just say that it is unique to everyone individually. I would say that I, I'm, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Um, I, you know, I think number one is is I, I think the idea of um, the idea of someone coming in and telling you what happiness is already reifies the society checklist because that's what the society checklist is. It's the, 100%. you know, this is what it looks like. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I, 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 you know, you can tell me if you you disagree. I think there's multiple, multiple, multiple definitions of happiness, but as a practitioner, I focus on two, and it sounds like we have the same two. The first one is is uh, hedonic happiness, which which uh, came from uh, the Epicurious camp, um, uh, and hedonic is not like what we think of hedonic nowadays. Uh, you know, go to New Orleans and and get some beads type of thing. It's just what are the simple pleasures of life that make you happy? The taste of a grape, 
the hug of a loved one. What are those things? You know, and the second thing is is um, where uh, Aristotle came back and was like, Epicurus, you're totally freaking wrong, dog. <laughs> it's about eudaimonia. Um, it's about living a good life. Neither of them said what living a good life looks like or what um, uh, what those simple happened. pleasures are. Yeah, what what the simple pleasures are. But what I love about current research is that they they found that if you have too much hedonic happiness and not enough eudaimonia, uh, you are going to find yourself um, on a hedonic treadmill. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go after a TEDx that's gonna make me happy. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, uh, TEDx is over. I'm gonna do roller derby that's gonna make me happy. Uh, roller derby is over. I'm gonna have sex with with a, a woman uh, <laughs> that's over. I'm going to have sex with a man, you know, uh, like it's, it's endless novelty that could turn into addiction and very easily. Yeah. And, and many, and many people have found themselves saying there's got to be more to life than this. Um, uh, Dr. Corey keys called it settling uh, or calls it settling when you're high hedonic and low purpose, eudaimonic. Um, now the other thing was, was uh, when it comes to eudaimonic, um, uh, people who found purpose but gave up purpose. And I worked in a college before this, Taylor. And so um, uh, I saw this quite a bit. And I was in grad school. We were in grad school or we were in school, you know, and so we felt this before. We are so focused on our purpose and, and purpose, 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 that we forget about the simple pleasures of life. And so we're in the library 24-7. We're forgetting to eat. That's a simple pleasure. The taste of, uh, of food, fueling yourself, you know. Um, 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 I'm having a conversation with a friend, a virtuous friend who supports you. And the next thing you know is that someone is like asking the exact same question. How did it get to this? All I'm doing is purpose and I don't see one ounce of happiness right now. Yeah. And so uh, for me, it's the intersection of both. And you talked about joy. Um, to me, that's where joy um, occurs. Uh, it's, it's, I, I think joy is a little bit more internal. Happiness is a little more external. But then when you intersect them, that quadrant at the top, when you're high in uh, simple pleasures and high in getting simple pleasures and, and high on knowing that you're living a good life, to me is amazing. You know, I stay away from the people who are low in purpose and low in, um, in knowing what makes them them happy, because to me those are people that should go into therapy uh, versus working with a, a positive psychology coach. You know, um, I don't know what you think about that. Your, your thoughts? Yeah, I totally i I agree on that intersection, and I think that it is there's a pressure, right? So if it's the hedonic side where you're like constantly trying for that next thing and I'll be happy when, then yeah, yeah. you're you're not enjoying the journey. But on the other side, if you're like, all I care about is this one thing, you're also not enjoying the journey, which no. comes back to those simple pleasures. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's that fine balance. But I also feel like for many of us that are high drive, if I can use yeah. like, right, there, there's a high drive to so many people. And we feel like if we step back from our purpose and enjoy the simple pleasures, we're losing momentum. Mm. Or if we don't have the it's a carrot stick type of thing. If we don't have the carrot stick in front of us and we're not whipping ourselves to try and get it, <laughs> then it's not true success, right? And so there's, I think there's this mentality with both of those that if you slow down 
and take a second and go, is this really the direction I want to go? Is this really the things I want to be spending my day doing every single day? And then shifting it to what am I learning and growing in this experience? Like, what am I learning and how am I growing in this experience? That alone, that question alone can shift things pretty dramatically because it takes you out of the win, 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 as in W-H-E-N or W-I-N, depending on your purpose and what you're going for. But but also a pullback of like, what am I learning and how am I growing in this situation? It does pull you back to be more present. And then you can make those other calls and decisions of like, okay, well, now that I, is this really what I want to do? And you can then have the awareness of like, am I getting pressured to go this way? And is it, why am I getting pressured to go this way? Or why am I pressuring myself to do this? And that can be a big, a big help in the first block coming off the wall to discovering what truly makes you happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. Um, you also talked about joy there too, uh, when you were giving your definition of, of, of happiness and you were, you were talking about joy coming out. What is your, your definition of, of joy? My definition of joy for me, same thing as mm-hmm. happiness. It's individual and unique. Uh, but my definition of joy for me is incredibly closely aligned with happiness. And both of those are closely aligned with peace. Mm. because there's a lot of, if I go back to my story of these expectations and trying to hit this checklist and feeling broken and all of these things, there was so much of that like war within me. There's a war of trying to like, I'm so angry. I'm going to battle every single day. And then also the war within me of like, we want to be happy and we keep on being angry. Like, how do we tip the scales here? Like, what do we need to do? And just this war and this battle. And all I really wanted was to be happy. And while I think happiness itself is not necessarily inherent to humans, we need to, it's a skill, right? It's something we can yeah. learn and grow towards. The need and desire and want to be happy is inherent in everyone. I absolutely agree with you. I absolutely agree. And and um, one of the things that I think is, is, is really interesting, not really interesting, but one of the things that um, I didn't think about a lot in my life um, was, uh, was how things would make me feel and savoring that feeling. Mm. Um, so I'd be like, oh, I've got two immigrant parents um, and they're going to, you know, I'm going to follow their footsteps and, and become a doctor or, you know, um, you know, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be great. Um, um, this is going to be uh, great when I'm, I'm, I'm in this relationship or whatever, you know? Um, and I'm not really thinking about how things like what what is truly behind that like once right. i acquire that once i win that um once it happens um what's the end well, game the next, yeah it's the end game right what what is it that i truly want to feel and and once i started asking myself that i was like oh my gosh this is so much easier for decision making like <laughs> i'm you know like i don't you know uh once I see myself being a doctor, I don't see myself being happy. I see myself making other people happy, but I don't truly see myself being a doctor. You know, um, that mm-hmm. that is happy, like truly happy and and just joyous. You know, um, uh, and and it, it became a lot easier for me to be like, what is the feeling? What is the feeling? Tap into the feeling, mm-hmm. and then the goal comes. I, well, and I think there's a reverse engineer for that as well. Like right. if you're like, hey, what feeling do I want? Okay, what can help me feel this way? Mm-hmm. But then alternatively to that, 
any goal that you have, and I'm sure you and I probably do this just naturally, but like, just ask why, why am I chasing this? Okay, great. Now, why is that? Why is that? And you always come down to, it always comes down to, well, I just want to be happy. Yeah, it does. Without (laughs) fail, without fail. But it could start like, oh, I want to be, I want to be a lawyer because it will make my parents happy. Well, why? Because it'll make my parents happy. Well, why do you want to make your parents happy? Oh, because I, I, I want them to be proud of me and I want to feel like I've lived up to their expectations. Well, why do right. you want to feel like you've lived up to their expectations? Because I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm worthless. Well, why don't I want to feel like you're worthless? Because I just want to be happy. Like it, and right. it can go for several drop downs. That was a really quick example. But everything comes back to you, you want to be happy and you want to experience those emotions that surround happiness, like the peace, like the joy. And when you can come into those then it does ripple effect out to your life and you can tap into those feelings and be like, okay, so I, I truly want to be happy. I'm gonna, And here's the other thing. I'm going to test this way. And if I get to a point where I'm like, mm, this actually isn't bringing me the joy that I wanted, I can pivot and I can learn and grow from that yeah, experience. Absolutely. But I also think there's there's this fine line, right? Because there's this line where we think that if we pick one path, we have to stay on that path, which is not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. But then also we think that if it gets hard and I'm unhappy in the journey, that maybe it's not meant to be. And that's not the case either, right? There's that fine line of, am I truly unhappy in this space? Why am I doing this? Versus I know that I'm doing this and it's hard right now. I'm a little unhappy with a circumstance or a situation, but I know that the long run, this is contributing to my happiness in the journey over time. I I love that again because it's showing again the fact that emotions can be completely um they can be completely layered um you know I, <laughs> so before uh higher education i was a social justice advocate and you want to talk like i was angry asian boy you know <laughs> and, and like literally i was and you have you to be were, in that field what well the thing was i thought that i had to be in that field I, and, you know, and, and if a student came in and, and um, uh, because I eventually did start a, a career in it, and if a student uh, came in and uh, wanted to change something, well, if you're not a- this angry, then you're not a real social justice person, right? And so I always attributed, well, you know, change comes about through anger. But the thing is, is like one of the flips, uh, the the major shifts that I had was no, it doesn't. Like you can be in joy and want social change and not need to spit in someone's face. Um, well, let's talk about that across everything. Mm-hmm. For okay. some reason, we feel like anger. We feel like anger gets the job done, which it can in some instances. But we I'd also say in the short term. Yes, in the short term. <laughs> but it also comes with a cost. Whether you personally, because you're always angry at the time and you feel like you have to maintain that anger to continue to grow and move forward. And that's not true, but we think it is. But then also in conjunction with that, we feel like anger is the only way because it's also more acceptable. And this is going to be sound crazy, but it's more acceptable in our society to be angry than to be sad and then to be happy. Oh, homie, I, absolutely. I, yeah. That doesn't sound cray-cray at all. <laughs> that doesn't sound cray-cray at all. I mean, um, I, I, I mean, uh, wh- what are we looking at in the media, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, the, the, those, are, those are the things that you are in marketing. Those are the things that get people up and sponsors, you know? Um, that, that, that tapping into the anger thing, you know? Um, 
I absolutely agree with you. And then the sadness thing, um, you know, like I wasn't in. I wasn't an emo person for no reason. That, that was a huge mar- That was a huge market to be like, oh me. Well, hair, let's look, you know? let's look at Facebook right now. Yeah, the okay. people, the people that are posting sad or negative things are largely going ignored. The people who are posting happy and positive things are schmucks. <laughs> and the only thing that's acceptable specifically on Facebook right now is anger. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed the Golden Mike podcast. There's more good stuff coming your way. But until the next episode, let's stay in touch, yes? Find us on Instagram as the Joy Rev, the Joy Rev, or communicate with like-minded revolutionaries in our Facebook group. Search the Joy Revolution Underground, and of course, don't forget to check out the classes, articles, blogs, and some serious fun at joyrevolution.com. That's joyrevolution.com. Now, until then, what will you do to change history for the better? Let's go out and play, shall we? Press start to begin.